know in that all about two hundred rock fans are at a rock show. Hello, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I'm Lisa Gonzalez. In this episode, we talk to Scott Ladsenby, City Manager of Sandy, Oregon. As we've reported in the past, Sandy is well known for its extensive wireless network. The community is now planning for a fiber network and is using every opportunity to bring more access to more people and businesses. As part of Sandy's plan, the community now requires conduit installed for a future fiber network in all new subdivisions. Scott talked to Chris and me about the policy and how it's been received by developers. The approach will expand the reach of the future fiber network and reduce costs considerably. Welcome to another episode of Community Broadband Bits. Uh, today we're changing it up a little bit. Lisa Gonzalez from my organization, the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, is joining me, and we're talking with Scott Lazenby, the city manager of Sandy, Oregon. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Could you tell us a little bit about Sandy? Sure. Uh, we're a, we're a small town and population of about 10,000. Um, we're just east of Portland. We're the closest city to Mount Hood, so we're in the in the foothills of Mount Hood with very hilly terrain, very tall fir and cedar trees, a gorgeous area. We have the Sandy River running right at our the foot of our town, which is where we get our name. So we've got we've got the best of both worlds, good access to the Mount Hood Recreation Area and good access to Portland too. Yeah, I have to agree. I think uh, we we talked about your town uh, uh last year. And uh, in it, I, I noted that the last time I'd been to Sandy was during uh, Hood to Coast. I just happened to to be around and seeing that famous race winding through town, and it was uh, it was a lovely time to be there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people see it that way. We're the first city on the route. It's the longest uh, relay race, I think, in the country. For those for those who aren't as familiar, uh, Sandy, you have uh, long operated a wireless ISP that was bringing internet access to your town. And uh, and in recent years, you've been doing more fiber optic investments uh, to connect businesses, your anchor institutions, and and you even had a great contest, um, Why Wait for Google, in which you started thinking proactively about how to um, bring fiber out to everyone and uh, and make sure everyone had these cutting edge connections. So um, along the way, you've had these conduit policies. That's what we want to talk with you about today. And so uh, I'm wondering if you could just briefly note um, why conduit is important for a, a fiber network of the sort you want to build. Yeah, sure. We, like a lot of cities, uh, you know, we require new utilities, new telecom utilities to go underground just for, for aesthetics and maintenance. And so, uh, but burying uh, fiber or any kind of cable underground once you have developed streets and sidewalks, you know, is expensive. And so we're trying to find opportunities to, to get fiber into the ground, uh, you know, more cheaply. So when we started our, our network, uh, we did use some fiber for backhaul um, uh, to connect major facilities. And we were lucky then that we had an abandoned water pipe right going right through the, you know, downtown Sandy on US 26, and so we used that uh, abandoned water line as conduit and just pulled fiber uh, through that. And so it kind of it kind of sent the message that we needed to take whatever opportunities we could to to tap into existing you know abandoned pipes, trenches, and things like that. So you you were able to make use of what you had with the water pipes, the policy which requires developers to put conduit in now is is a relatively new policy for the city of Sandy is that right that's right and so you know before uh, we we were uh, you know using wireless for the last uh, you know not not only last mile but the last few hundred yards to 
homes and then using fiber for backhaul to uh, various antenna sites and things like that. Well, as the uh, the, the use of the system increased, um, you know, it's increased expen- exponentially as people are doing entertainment, watching movies, uh, moving huge data files, you know, sharing pictures and all that kind of thing that people do. Uh, we, we realized we were quickly maxing out the capacity of a wireless system and uh, mm-hmm. figured that that fiber was really the only way to go as far as mm-hmm. connecting individual homes and businesses. And so mm-hmm. we once we, we came to that realization, we're a rapidly growing city. We were the fifth fastest growing in the state of Oregon in the last decade. And so we do have uh, a lot of subdivision activity going on. So it occurred to us that uh, just as we require developers to put in the water pipes and sewer pipes and street lights uh, and such for the new subdivision, that if, if they're doing that anyway, to, to drop in conduit for our fiber was relatively inexpensive, but then it would allow us to have completely fiber-ready uh, subdivisions when the homes go in. We've talked with some other towns that have tried to do these sorts of things, and when they've put it in the code, the uh, you may have a developer that is very upset and says, this is going to add to the cost of my development. I don't want to do it. You're foisting it on me. Um, I understand that, that you've had a different experience, and, and I want to elevate that. So um, can you tell us how uh, developers have reacted to, to your ordinance? Yeah, and you know, with the uh, recession, our subdivision activity, like everywhere else, you know, it slowed down, and and so it gave us time to think this through. So we did put the requirements in place in the middle of the recession. So we're just now starting to get subdivision activity, and and so the first one that had to comply with this uh, requirement was actually excited about it. He we sat down and explained that we were uh, providing. This is what we're providing as a utility. We're providing a hundred meg um, uh, internet service for 39.95 a month just under 40 bucks a month for 100 meg service and uh, he was blown away by that and he thought well that's going to be a major selling feature for the homes and uh, yeah, i think so, so. He, he was very enthusiastic <laughs> yeah yeah he, he understood the benefit of it and and uh, was excited to work with us on it so you haven't had any uh, any people who are viewing that negatively then Nope, not not yet. Okay, and so and just to be clear, the uh, the cost is borne by the developer. So um, they're they're putting in the sidewalks, they're putting in the streets, they're putting in the houses, they're and they're putting in presumably the other utilities as well, right? So this is just treating it the same as any other utility. That's exactly right. And so they, um, yeah, and we will end up putting in, uh, you know, some of the uh, distribution equipment uh, and then. Uh, probably the fiber itself. We'll we'll uh, go ahead and put that through, but they'll have provided a conduit uh, all the way to the house when the house gets built. We're, we're and we're also um, uh, including requirements for um, the right kind of wiring in the new homes too, and that's not a problem at all. The, uh, you know when they're putting in the low voltage wires in a house to run some extra uh, Ethernet cable is a, you know really inexpensive at that stage. Is that actually in the code? I mean, is it like a CAT six requirement or? Yeah, we're right now with this one subdivision that's going in. We're using that as a test case, and so we're developing some standards that are pretty simple. And the the developer of the subdivision is also the home builder, so he's working with us closely on that. We're going to use that as a test case, and if it looks like it's working, we will put it in as a as a code requirement. 
a lot of people are familiar with conduit and fewer people are familiar with vaults, which is uh, where one can get access to the conduit. And so um, do you, in these subdivisions, do you have to have the conduit, the, the vaults put in as well? Yeah, we do. And, and and so we have to do a little bit of design for each subdivision to figure out uh, where they go. Uh, they're pretty simple though. And, and, uh, but yeah, that's part of the, part of the, installation and it's really no different if you think about it than uh, putting in a water system where you have those those small boxes where the water meters go very similar to that for those of us who are aren't familiar with how a new subdivision is built um so then is that the developer works with the city to come up with a map of where these things each have to go because the developer him or herself obviously can't just decide for the city i'm guessing that's right and and i think um you know, it's often the case of, you know, locate one, you know, at this distance from the curb, uh, you know, one per every two houses. Um, you know, I don't think we get it down to the to the inch, but we, we do specify where they go. And the, the, these, uh, the builders are used to this kind of thing. You know, they've got to locate streetlights and boxes for those and, you know, all these improvements. So the folks that are doing this, it's just, it's not, this isn't a new thing for them at all. The developers have, you know, real strict guidelines within different communities. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed on the um, Sandy uh, ordinance was that it specifically refers to this statement as no expense to the city. And I've come, mm -hmm. I've seen other requirements in just a couple other places. And first of all, I'm wondering if there was another community that um, you sort of modeled this after, and also if there was a, a reason why you went ahead and decided to put that specific language in there. Well, uh, as to your first question, I I know there's some uh, cities in California that have uh, done this for years. We don't have any specific uh, language from them, but we did decide just to treat it the same way we do our own water and sewer utilities and streetlights, too. We're now requiring uh, the developers. They always have to put in streetlights, but instead of the electric utility, owning and maintaining those, the, our city is instead. We're, we're switching to LED streetlights and doing smart smart lighting systems and things like that. So it's it's really no different than that. It's just part of the required infrastructure if you're going to do a, do a subdivision. And then you'd also mentioned some concerns that you had with um, other utilities and like other conduit. And you'd mentioned that too. Um, right. And, yeah. And, you know, and, I'm wondering you know, and this is a practical on the ground experience. We, you know, people say, well, whenever they're doing a trench, you should just have them drop in some conduit for your fiber. It sounds simple, but as Chris said, if, if you've, if you've got say a you know water pipe that might be six feet down underneath a road, and sitting on that water pipe is a conduit that you, in the future, hope to put some fiber through. Well, if you haven't, you know, designed it out with with vaults and different splice points to get at that thing, um, you're not that much ahead. It, it's it's down there. You you know it's down there with a the pipe, but then to go back and use it is is pretty expensive. So so that's a, a practical problem. The, the second one is is that just having an open trench with some other you know utility in there. It's not, and it's not quite as simple as just dropping in your conduit because, like in our, our case for our water system, if we have to go in and repair a water line, our, our public works folks don't want to be uh, in danger of, of uh, you know, cutting through the fiber with their backhoe when they're trying to expose the water line. So you typically try to get some separation between utilities. 
And we did find in one case, we did put in a water line and we did have to make the trench quite a bit bigger in order to get some, you know, separation between the water pipe and our fiber conduit just so that we wouldn't, you know, put either of them in danger when we build it. So it didn't, it saved us some money, but not as much as, as you might think. As I, as I try to think about this in three dimensions, when you say separation in the way you've described it, I'm guessing you mean um, lateral separation on the horizontal plane, right? Yeah, that's typically it, because they're going to dig straight down with a backhoe, and, and uh, you know you want to get them separated horizontally a bit. And so if, if I understood correctly, then also then the problem is, is so you may have a trench working on that line, but then if you want to locate something 18 inches you know, to the left of it, uh, for instance, then that may not save you a whole lot of expense because you have to make the trench a lot wider, right? Exactly, exactly. Then the other problem, too, is, uh, you know, in this case, we knew we we wanted to get fiber from A to B, and it was along the, the same route that the uh, water pipe was going. So that worked out perfectly. We went ahead and lit up the fiber right away. In some cases, though, you might say, well, we'll take advantage of this open trench, just throw some conduit in. But in my experience, anyway, uh, it's never at the right place when you need it. You know, you may, you may look back and say, oh, you know, uh, we put that there, but we need to go you know, north instead of west, let's say. And so I, I think it's not a bad idea, but it's it's got some practical problems. And the one thing we haven't done is we haven't required the telecom utilities to do that. Um, just, you know, you can imagine there might be some kind of political pushback if, if we're requiring them to put our internet utility in, in a, you know, in the cable company's trench. So, at the same time, I'm curious if um, when when there's major street work that may be ripping up an entire street, for instance, um, are there any opportunities where you've taken advantage of those situations to to get some conduit in an area that you haven't before? You bet, we're doing that right now, and it's saving us a ton of money. And but and it's one of these situations where we were just thinking how we're going to get from A to B, and then the, the state required some highway work uh, of the developer, and, and that solved it uh, for us. So, yeah, we, we definitely take advantage of that when we can. And we're building a, a major water line project ourselves, and, and we're putting in conduit uh, and vaults, so we've kind of thought it through. And um, an interesting thing is the, the city of Portland uh, uses fiber to manage their water system, which is in the in the Mount Hood area, and so they're uh, cooperating with us and, and installing their own uh, fiber conduit along with ours too. So it's a really it's a really good partnership, and I, we're all saving money on it because, yeah, the trench may have to be a little bit bigger, but it's a pretty big water pipe anyway, and and we're not it's a it's a main where we don't anticipate any taps in, into it in the future, so. Yeah, we're definitely taking advantage of that. So if we can, I think, summarize uh, the discussion, it basically comes down to, um, you know, the idea that you could always put conduit in a trench is fundamentally flawed, but there can be many opportunities in which you can. You just need to understand where it's appropriate and where it isn't. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been incredibly helpful. Is there, uh, are, there are there any other insights you can you you want to share with us? No, and I and I think for uh, for a town like us, we have been lucky to be pretty resourceful. Our public works folks have been pretty good. So I mentioned the story about finding the abandoned water line. We've uh, had a lot of opportunities like that where we found uh, you know water lines. We had we did uh, in one project installed a couple of conduits just for to be on the safe side, and it turned out the county uh, got a grant to put in a major uh, broad broadband uh, fiber ring through the whole county. Well, we were able to just let them use that conduit uh, that was already in the street. So 
so uh, sometimes, you know, thinking ahead, even if you're not sure how you're going to use this stuff, um, it, you know, you really can save a lot over time. I wish uh, in the past, though, I wish, you know, we do have Highway 26 running through our downtown, and we we have a lot lot of stuff buried in that road. And I wished uh, way back when we had built a tunnel, a utility tunnel down there, that you could actually walk through. And then with all these changes in technology, it would have been so nice to be able to just to go down there and you know string some more cable or fiber, and and not have to keep digging up the highway to do it. It's it's really good to hear that you have that positive relationship with Public Works because I've certainly heard from other people uh, in communities where Public Works just says we don't want to get involved with conduit and, uh, and the project ends right there and and that's always disappointing. Uh, I'm glad to hear you have that good relationship. Yeah, well, they both work for me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I think as as anyone who's dealt with with cities knows, um, well, different departments can have uh, interesting relationships, even when one's subservient to the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, and sharing these uh, this insight with us. You're quite welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Scott Lazenby, City Manager of Sandy, for taking some time to talk about conduit policy. You can learn more about the wireless network and the fiber project at the city's website. You can also check out the Sandy and SandyNet tags at muninetworks.org to review our coverage of the community. We want you to send us your questions and comments. You can email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on May 28, 2013. Thank you to the group Eat at Joe's for their self-titled song, Licensed Using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. Eat at Joe's.